It's so great to be with you guys. I'm so excited about the word of the Lord this morning. If you were not here last night, I really do encourage you to go and listen to last night's message. It was so powerful. This place was so filled with the presence of God last night. It was truly awesome. And I know I say this often, but I really want to encourage you, please go listen to last night's message. It was about how to grow spiritually. And I would love for you, if you can, go, go listen to it, and you can send me a nice message and tell me that you loved it. If you didn't, don't send me a message. Amen. All right. <laughs> this morning's message is entitled, Dispossessing the Enemy. Dispossessing the Enemy. And I've come to realize in my work with God, I remember as a young Christian, I didn't quite understand this, but I've come to realize that God truly has called each and every one of us. That He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. I used to think that you have to be like special to get selected by God. I want you to know that you are special because you have been selected by God. That God has allotted and planned for you to be here right now at this time on the planet with everything going on, God knew you would be right here and He planned for you to be here and He has an inheritance, a portion that He wants you to get while you're on this earth, not only in eternity. The Bible says this, Jeremiah 1 verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I want you to understand that God knows you before you were even formed. He says, before you were born, I sanctified you. In other words, I set you apart because there is something I have planned for you. There's something that you are going to do. There is something that you will become when you're on this earth. When you accept Jesus and you take a hold of who you truly are, you become born again, you step into destiny. He says, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. For the prophet Jeremiah, this was who he was. This is who he was called to be. For you, you have a different calling and purpose. But God has called you in this time. When Jesus came, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You are a part of that. And you have an inheritance in that kingdom, not only in heaven, but here on earth as well. Remember Jesus said, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Where's the kingdom now? It's inside you. When they said, where's the kingdom? He said, it's not over there. It's not over here. It's inside you. That inheritance is locked up inside you. And God wants you to take a hold of all that he has for you. And so God has called us to do this. But in order for us to take a hold of everything God has prepared for us, I want you to understand that it's not always as it seems. I remember as a young Christian receiving words about my destiny, about my future. When I was just 19 years old, I got several words, two in particular, you know, actual prophecies that came to me that was all about my future. And I remember thinking, that looks, sounds wonderful. But they didn't tell me about all the hard stuff in between. It was like, you're going to do this, and you're going to go there. And there was even a young lady that came to me. I'll never forget it. She came to me, and she, she came, and she was really in the spirit, and the presence of God was all over. And she said, she said, Alex, I wasn't pastor then. She said, Alex, you're going to go to America. 
and you're going to preach the gospel in America. I'll never forget it. And so here I am. But God, you know, but what was amazing though, listen, <laughs> thank you, listen to me. What was so amazing though was it sounded so wonderful and so easy. You know, it's just going to happen. You know, God said it, so it's going to happen, right? Well, you see, it wasn't any different for the children of Israel. God had given promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now they found themselves in bondage in Egypt. And God wanted them to take a hold of the promises that he had for them. So he sent Moses to set them free. And he gives them a promise. Let's read it. Exodus 3 verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. So the children of Israel are told, listen, you're going to get delivered from Egypt. You're going to get delivered from, from being in the world. You're going to get delivered from that. And you're going to go to a land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds amazing. If you close your eyes, it's like this land flowing, this, this river of milk and a fountain of honey. That could be messy. Just saying. But can you imagine, this is what they think. This is going to be great. The Lord's going to take us to this land flowing with milk and honey. And he doesn't say anything really else about it except, this is what I have for you. Well, the reality is, is that in order for them to take a hold of that promise, to take a hold of what was rightfully theirs, there was one problem. That there was someone in that land that didn't believe it belonged to them. And what you need to understand is that there is no difference with you and I. God has promises for us in different capacities, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But in order for us to take a hold of it, we must recognize that there is someone that doesn't want us to have it. The Bible says that the devil comes to kill, steal, and to destroy and God has given you this destiny, this purpose that he wants you to take a hold of. But the enemy that's there that doesn't want you to have it. Are you with me? All right. So let's take a look at what God says to the children of Israel when it comes to this. Let's go to Numbers 33 verse 51. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have crossed the Jordan to the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all the engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess. Everybody say dispossess. The inhabitants of the land and dwell in it. For I have given you the land to possess. God says to the children of Israel, listen, I have this promise for you, this land, this promised land for you. But when you go in there, you have to first dispossess the enemy. You have to get the enemy out so that you can take a hold of it. 
You must understand that in that time, the enemy had different beliefs, different religions, different ideas. And if the children of Israel would come in and co-inhabit with them, they would become polluted, distorted, and they would end up not serving God anymore. And in fact, throughout the journey in the wilderness and even in the promised land, we see the children of Israel make this mistake when they don't obey the voice of God completely. Everybody say completely. Let me give you some good advice this morning. Do your very best to be obedient to God 100%. It's not always easy because you have this horrible thing called the human nature. But let me give you great advice. Take the word of God for what it is, literally, as it says. If it says, do not commit adultery, do not commit adultery. Don't try and figure out, well, is this adultery? Should maybe this, you know, maybe I can just do a little bit, maybe. No, just don't do it. When it comes to the opposite sex, just don't do it. If you're married, come on now. If you're not married, it's fornication. I'm not going to do a lesson on that this morning. Let's continue. Are you with me? He says, you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. And you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families. To the larger, you shall give a larger inheritance. To the smaller, you shall give a smaller inheritance. There, everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. You see, it's very important that you understand. When God has a plan for you, the first thing you have to do is go into it and then dispossess the enemy. Get the enemy out of the way. Once you get the enemy out of the way, then you possess the land. You take it. And what comes from it is an inheritance for those that are with you. There's an inheritance. If you're a father, for example, and let's just keep it in the natural. Let's say that you are running a business. That business is, is, is being successful. I want you to know that even in your business, you'll have things that you have to overcome, challenges that you have to overcome. But if you do it right, you're obedient, you get rid of the enemy, you possess, and you take ground with that business that you have, you will have an inheritance to leave to your children. It works exactly the same in the spirit. Now watch what he says. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. He says, listen, if you do not dispossess the enemy, if you allow something to stay in your life that you know shouldn't be there, you leave it there. You just continue to do whatever it is that you know is from the enemy. You allow the enemy to operate. He says it's going to become a thorn. Paul speaks about a thorn in his flesh. It's going to be an irritation. It's going to be something that is going to perhaps delay your, your destiny. It's going to be something that, that could hinder your destiny, that could prevent you from inheriting the fullness of what God has for you. But the choice is, very much up to you whether you will dispossess the enemy and get rid of it or whether you will tolerate it, tolerate him. Now watch this because it gets even more interesting. I want to show you how we can apply this to our lives as simply as I can. 
Let's go to Deuteronomy 12, verse number 1. Deuteronomy 12, verse number 1. He's going to say the same thing, but he's going to break it into three categories. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess. All the days of your life, all the days you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. On the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. There's three categories. You have to dispossess the enemy on high mountains, on hills, and green trees. The Bible often refers to mountains, the mountains, as kingdoms. So, for example, a mountain could be a nation. The, the Bible refers to hills often as small communities or cities. How many of you know it's a city on a hill? So it's a, the, the kingdom is the largest area. The hill is like a community or a city. And then the Bible refers sometimes to trees as people. So in order for you to dispossess the enemy, the areas where you should do it, it starts with you personally. There are certain things in your life that you know you need to get rid of. And remember, guys, the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. So we oftentimes try to deal with something in the natural. There, are, there is a time to deal with things in the natural. But many times the only true solution is to deal with something in the spirit. Let's use addiction as an example. And I gave this example in the first service. There are many ways that you can try and deal with addiction. And sometimes they're effective. You can go to rehab. You can do all different kinds of things. If this is the enemy that is ruling in your life, there is another solution. Come on, somebody, there is another solution. The problem is many Christians don't know what that is. They feel very alone. They feel that when they cry out to God that He doesn't hear them. And the truth is, is that you have to sometimes do battle. You have to fight. You must understand when the children of Israel went into the promised land, they walked in and they, went, they had to go to Jericho. And the war began. Listen, when the walls fell down, it wasn't a great big party. It was war. They had to go into the city and dispossess the enemy. So it's the same with you. You have to fight. I'm going to give you one basic way to do that. If addiction is your problem, if addiction is the area where you are struggling, where the enemy has had you bound, what you need to do in the spirit to be able to overcome it is you need to find someone and you need to get in agreement with them. The Bible says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. And then it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Take a hold of your brother or your sister or a pastor or someone that you trust and say to them, brother, I'm struggling and I want to do war against the spirit of addiction that's holding me bound. But I need somebody to stand in agreement with me and pray and pray. And then once the prayer is over, you may walk out of there and not feel any different. 
Warfare is not a moment. It's a lifetime. So what you do then is that's when you really start to pray. I remember when my daughter was really little and she was in, in school, there was a young boy in her class that used to bully her really badly. It was really awful. And he would bully her every single day. Now, there's two ways to handle it, in the natural or in the spirit. And I chose by the leading of the Holy Spirit to deal with it in the spirit. So what I did was I, I, I woke up in the morning and I went into my prayer room and I said, Lord, please kill that child. Don't ever do that. That's not what I did. Okay, relax. Okay, don't ever pray against an individual, guys. That's not the th way to do it. What I did was I said, Lord, there is a spirit that is trying to torment my child. You know that spirit, and I came against that thing. It had nothing to do with the boy. It's a spirit, and I came against that spirit. Every, every morning for a few days, I prayed, I prayed. Suddenly, he stopped, just like that. That's how you deal with the enemy, guys. Are you with me? And there's a lot that I could say about this, but I want you to understand the first realm is your personal life. Then after that, we have to deal with our community. As a church, God has placed us here in Vera Beach to deal with the spiritual climate in Vera Beach. We have a team of people, actually one individual in particular, that's working very hard every month to get us information on what's happening in our school board, what's happening in our county commissioner's office, what's going on in our city, what's going on in, 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 in with our crime, what's happening in Vera Beach, so that we know what spirits to go after when we pray. Amen. And we're going to be putting out a newsletter shortly or, or, or maybe a magazine or something in the near future where you'll get that information so you can stand in agreement to pray. How many of you think that's important? So we have to dispossess the enemy in our area. If we know, for example, that there's an increase in, 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 in auto theft, guess what? We can come against that spirit. That's causing auto theft in our community. Are you with me? So that's how we do it. Then obviously from there we move on to a national level, kingdoms. And I don't know about you, but I think we need to do a little bit of warfare in America right now. And let me tell you something. Here's the problem. You see, we become like this. Well, you know, I think maybe I should just, you know, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to offend anybody. You know, because if I offend them, you know, they're going to think I don't have love. Well, let me tell you where that got you. It wasn't 10 years ago that what we see in our schools today would never, ever have been accepted. But now all of a sudden, they don't even want you. Listen, I went to the doctor the other day, and they wouldn't allow us to get my daughter's results because she must choose for herself what she wants. She's 15 years old. That's a true story. That's what it's coming to. Why? Because we tolerate it. We allowed an enemy to have its way in our nation for far too long. And the church has to have something to say about it. We have to do warfare. It's not about people. It's not about political parties. It is a spiritual war that we have to participate in. Amen. And in order for our nation to see the glory of God, the church must take her place. Listen, you may think, well, it's just so bad, there's no hope. Listen, the world can get darker, but the church can get lighter. 
And there's one thing about the light that's so powerful. The Bible says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. If the body of Christ becomes non-compromising, if we stand together cross-denominational and choose Jesus over everything else and hold hands and take authority over all the forces of darkness that desire to destroy our country, I promise you, you will see the hand of the Lord move mightily in our country. So we, there are certain things that we must, we must overcome. There are certain things that we must, we must defeat before, we must dispossess before we can fully take a hold of what God wants to do in our lives. I think you understand it, right? Psalm 106 verse 34 says this, They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, and which, which became a snare to them. So you see, as soon as the children of Israel began to embrace what was not godly, then immediately they became infected by it and that ended up causing compromise. We all know the story of Balak and Balaam. With the story of Balak and Balaam, the, the, the king wanted the prophet to curse the children of Israel. He said, listen, I can't. There's nothing I can do. God will not curse what is blessed. What he is blessed, he will not curse it. There's nothing we can do. That's why don't be afraid of, of, of what goes bump in the night. If you are walking with the Lord and you are blessed and you are serving Him, nothing can by any means, means harm you. Nothing. But what he did was he said to the king, why don't you send some of the pretty ladies down over there and they will bring a curse on themselves. Are you with me? So God's saying, listen, don't tolerate what has the potential to destroy you because ultimately it will cost you. Sometimes we read the scriptures and see things and we go, man, God is pretty mean. The problem is you don't understand what he's doing. There's nothing mean about him. He loves his people so much. And you must understand that everything has been a plan of redemption. And you're included in that plan. Now watch, because it gets even more interesting. There's a story in the Bible that really paints this picture so beautifully of what it means when God instructs us to dispossess the enemy and it doesn't happen and the cost that it basically, basically does, it's really incredible. We all know the story of Saul, who be, Saul that the King Saul in the Bible in the Old Testament. He was the king just before David. And if you don't know the story of King Saul, he was anointed to be king and it started off so well for him. But one of the things that he had to do as king is he had to defeat the enemy. And God gave him very clear instruction of how he wanted to do it. That's why I say to you, God has given us instruction of what we should do. I think it's a good idea to obey. Now watch what happens. Let's go to 1 Samuel 15, verse number 1. 1 Samuel 15, verse number 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy. Everybody say utterly destroy. All that they have 
And do not spare them, but kill both men and women, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkeys. Wow. God says, listen, I want you to go in to Amalek to dispossess them and utterly wipe them out. And we read that and we go, man, God is just, he's just harsh. No. You see, God knows the beginning from the end. He knows all things. And Saul makes a decision to not completely obey God. Sounds familiar. He's going to follow God, but he's going to allow some things for many different reasons. I'm not going to get into that, but let's read what happens. 1 Samuel 15, 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havaliah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Ag Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, uh-oh, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and oxen, the fatlings of the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling, everybody say unwilling, to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Now, in your mind, you might be sitting there thinking, well, it's not that bad. I mean, he just spared the king a couple of sheep and all the good stuff. But the fact of the matter is that God says, listen, I want you to possess. I have a plan for you, Saul. I'm going to use you. I'm going to make you a great king. And I need you to utterly destroy the Amalekites because if you don't, it's going to cost you, Saul. God is so displeased with what Saul does that he actually re rejects Saul and anoints David. But what most of people don't realize is that by the time David is anointed to the point where David finally becomes king is many, 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 many years. So many years have gone by. And David has already been anointed, but Saul remains king. Suffers. The Bible says that a distressing spirit was sent to him. He was in anguish and he was full of jealousy towards David. But he remained king nonetheless. Until a day where he went into battle on the mountains of Gilboa. And on the mountains of Gilboa, Israel was at war with the Philistines. Everybody say Philistines. Another enemy of Israel. And while they were at war with the Philistines... For the first time, Israel gets really put on the run. And Jonathan is killed. And Saul is about to lose the battle. So he ends up falling on his own spear. First, what he does is he actually says to his armor bearer, he says, listen, I want you to kill me. And the armor bearer says, there's no way. He's not willing to, to kill the Lord's anointed. So he falls on his own spear. He kills himself. And so... Saul dies on the mountains of Gilboa. And it's very interesting because actually what happens is they end up taking his body and his son's body and putting them on the walls of Beth Cheyenne for all to see. Word gets to David, who's running away from Saul, remember. They're not friends right now. And David's been fighting his own battle. And when he comes back from the battle, he's standing there at his place and a young man comes to him. Let's go read it. 2 Samuel 1 verse number 2. On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell 
to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, the people have, fed from the, have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. You must understand, when he said this to David, David became distraught. So David said to the young man, who told him? How do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? Then the young man who told him said, as I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, by chance, everybody, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? So I answered him, watch this, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me again, please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. Now watch. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown, watch this, I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Let's stop there. Everybody look at me. This man that is the one who took Saul's life is an Amalekite. God told Saul at the beginning of his kingship, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And what's so interesting is that the very person that takes the bracelet, his kingship, and crown off his head and takes his, his life is the very person that he tolerated. See, God knew the beginning from the end. And this is not the end of the Amalekites, by the way. But he did not obey the Lord. He tolerated this enemy of his in his life. And that ended up killing him. Wow. Now watch this, because it's so powerful. The Bible wants to make sure that you understand the story. Watch this. Verse 11, therefore David took a hold of his own clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for those and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Now watch. Then David said to the young man who told him, where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, how was it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. Now that's a warrior for you. Not a warrior who worries. A warrior who takes control of the enemy. David did not tolerate the enemy. And when he was king, he took down one enemy after another to the point where he became the greatest king and ended up possessing the land that God had called him to possess 
And not only did he possess it, but then he left an inheritance for his children. Saul's children inherited nothing. Why? Because he tolerated the enemy in his life. When God said, I want you to dispossess and utterly destroy it. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning that many of you sitting here, including me, all of us, God has an allotment, a purpose, a, a promised land for each and every one of us. And if you think that's heaven only, brother, you are missing the whole point of being a Christian. But there is an enemy that's trying to stop you. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it's time to dispossess him. Because God has great plans for you and I. Great plans for you personally and your family. Listen, it doesn't only have to do with the church. It has to do with your business. It has to do with your family. You have to dispossess the, the, the enemy in your household. If there's anger that's an issue as a family, come together and get rid of that anger. If there's a problem that's come through the bloodline, come together as a family and do warfare. Come against that spirit. But it's time that it ends with you. If there's something in your life, in your business, whatever it is, it's time for you to put an end to it. If you've got a business and you've got deals and things that you've done, maybe in the past you did your business in a way that wasn't upright before God. I want you to know that there's a spirit operating there. And you will not be able to leave the inheritance that God wants you to to your children unless you decide to deal with it properly. Unless you decide to deal with that spirit. There are spirits in our community, spirits of divination. There are spirits in, the, in this area of Vera Beach that need to be dealt with. And as a corporate body, the church, we must come together and deal with it in the spirit. As the church of Jesus Christ, we must stand and make a stand against the wiles of the enemy concerning our nation. We must make a stand against those things that are ungodly, that are unright. And we must stand and declare the truth of God's word. Don't forget, church, life and death is in the power of the tongue. What you say matters. What you say on Facebook, on social media, it matters. And everything you do affects the spiritual climate. Everything you do. It's time for us to deal with those enemies in our life that have held us back from receiving the promises of God. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I want to pray for you. If you're sitting here this morning and this word has spoken to your heart, I know it spoke to me in this week. The Lord spoke to me about dealing with the enemy. I want to challenge you right now. If you can see something, whether it be in your family, in your household, in, in your community, maybe in your business, but even more so in your personal life, a spirit, an enemy that's been operating, that's been attacking you. This morning, I want you to speak to it. I want you to tell it that it's time for it to go. I want you to declare to that, that force of darkness, to speak to that mountain and command it to go. And I'm gonna set myself in agreement with you. You don't have to do it loud. You can do it right there where you are quietly. But I want you to take a minute right now, everybody under the sound of my voice, whether in the building or watching online, take a moment and speak to that spirit. Speak to that enemy that's been, that's been challenging you. Maybe it's an alcohol problem that's come through the bloodline. Maybe, it's, maybe you've had an, a, a sexual addiction that's come through the bloodline. Maybe it's been lying that you've seen that's affected your family. Maybe it's been, maybe it's been uh, uh, anger. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, make a decision today to say, 
say, that spirit, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to go. Do it now. Take a minute right now. Do it right now. Father, I set myself this morning in agreement as we stand together clothed in the full armor of God. We are your servants and you have called us by name. And Father, you have given us promises for ourselves personally, in our businesses, in our ministries, with our families, in our community, and even in this nation. And we stand together this morning and we take authority over every force of darkness and we push it back this evening or this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. I take authority over every foul spirit that has been plaguing your household, that has been plaguing you. And I break Satan's power now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it. I set myself in agreement with you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If that's you, stand to your feet and give. Give the Lord a shout like you already have the victory. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Every mountain must come down. Every principality must come down. Every force of darkness must come down. In your family, in your children, it must come down. No more, no more, no more. No more, no more. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a clap in this place. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we will not be the same again. And we honor you and we love you. Lit our lives, Lord. Tell your story. Let our lives, God, be a testimony of your goodness and your love and your mercy. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would utterly dispossess the enemy in, in front of us, in our families, in our lives. And we will always give you the honor and the glory for it and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me ask you, just take a seat for one minute, please. I'm going to close the service right now, but I have to do something. Nobody walk around. Nobody look around. Just please take a seat. Just one minute. Just, just be with me one minute. Just close your eyes for one second, please, guys. Bow your heads. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, this message this morning has really spoken to my heart. I want to tell you, listen, if you don't know Jesus, there is no inheritance for you. But God has a plan for your life. But it has to start by making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You have to first give your heart to Him and your life to Him. And then you can begin to step into the promises He has for you. If you hear and you say, man, I am just like what you're talking about. It feels like I've got these forces working against me in every area. But this morning, I want to break free from that. And I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you... Quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Don't be afraid. Anyway, there we go. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, young man. Thank you so much. God bless you in the back. I see those hands. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. 
You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, I believed in God. I kind of served the Lord a little bit, but I lost my way. And it just feels like what you're talking about, that thing that I tolerated, eventually just sort of like overcame me and has had its way with me. And I haven't been serving the Lord. But this morning, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my heart to Him. If that's you, quickly slip your hand up and I'll include you in this prayer. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Hands in the back. God bless you. Thank you so much. Now listen, if you've raised your hand, don't be afraid. Stand for me quickly. Quickly stand. Don't be afraid. Young man, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Come on, you guys. Stand up. All of you that raised your hand, stand up. Don't stay in your seat. Quickly come to me. Quickly come to me. Don't be afraid. Come quickly. Come quickly. There's so many of you. Come on, church. Let's give them a big round of applause. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come stand right here. Stand right here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Bless you, young man. Bless you, young lady. Bless you, guys. Thank you so much. Come on. Let's give them a hand. More of them are coming forward. Come on. Let's give the Lord a big clap. Amen. Amen. Guys, this is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. But it's so important that it's not just sticking up your hand and coming to the front. It's so important that you truly make a decision today. God's going to wipe the slate clean for you. It's like a brand new beginning for you. It's like all the things that have held you back. Like you're standing here and you feel like there's no way. Listen, it's a clean slate. It's like, you know, a chalkboard. And there's all the chalk. It's like God took his hand and wiped the chalkboard clean. And you are, you are made whole this morning. You are made new this morning. It's a new beginning. It's yours. Amen. And for each and every one of you, you too. Amen. Take it this morning. We're going to pray this prayer together. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, that you will be saved. So we're going to pray this prayer together this morning. Amen. Guys. This is what it's all about, giving our hearts to Him. Man, I tell you, I, I got saved. I, I, mean, I was in church as a young boy, but when I was 19, I really gave my heart to Jesus, and I've never looked back. And here I am. I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray this prayer together. Church, let's pray together with Him. Let's say, Father, I come to you this morning, and I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. This morning I believe Jesus died and rose again. He is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in the book of life. Now fill me, Holy Spirit. Father, just fill them this morning. Strengthen them and renew them. Let them walk with you all the days of their life. Do not let the enemy lie to them, Lord. They will never be the same again. You will never be the same again, young men. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Guys, if you take a look to your left over there, there's that handsome young pastor over there. He's going to wave his hand at you. If I can ask you just to follow him, we're going to give you some, some, some prayer information and we just want to stay in touch with you. If you can just follow him out. Let's give them a big round of applause, church. You can just follow that guy over there. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, guys. Are you guys married? Are you married?
Amen. That's what it's all about, guys. Amen. So that's why it's worth waiting just a couple more minutes at the end of a service. I want to bless you. Has the word strengthened and encouraged you this morning? Amen. Come on, we we serve the most wonderful God. And we stand here this morning as a family, as a church family, Father, with such gratitude to you. We are the fortunate, blessed ones, God, because you have saved us. Let your word resonate in our hearts. Let it fall on good soil this morning. We love you so much, Lord. We're so grateful. I pray for each and every person as they leave this morning, Lord, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with you, Holy Spirit, would be with them forever. We honor you. We glorify you. We praise and worship you in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.